You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor. From Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we speak to Dr. Meg Green, an award-winning veterinarian and business strategist about advice for business owners and leaders for productivity and effective communication. Dr. Meg Green is an award-winning veterinarian and business strategist. Dr. Green has a diverse background and consistent record of accomplishments in both clinical practice as well as in the animal health industry. Her proven ability to think strategically, leverage relationships, and implement programs that drive organizational growth, efficiency, and profitability are second to none. Additionally, Dr. Green is a certified coach and speaker with the Maxwell Leadership Team, which has been recognized as one of the world's best in class for leadership development and training. Throughout her career, the key to Dr. Green's success has been how she values putting people first and optimizing best quality medicine for her patients. When given the opportunity to work with Dr. Green, you will immediately see her passion and unique ability to empower and equip both individuals and teams to achieve high levels of productivity and effective communication all while practicing best medicine. Stomach ulcers make you feel bad. All-natural ulcer relief makes you feel good. With no known side effects and a 100% money-back guarantee, why not give it a try? UlcerRelief.com. So, Dr. Green, we're going to start out and um, talk a little bit about your equine background. And um, it's okay if I call you Meg? Absolutely. Please do. Great. (laughs) Thanks. So, to get us started, why don't you just give us a little bit of your background in the equine industry? Sure. Um, So thank you, first of all, for having me on the show today. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you all. And, uh, you know, from the time I was a child, I had horses and was horse crazy girl and grew up uh, in Georgia and knew that eventually I wanted to go to veterinary school. And so, uh, you know, grew up showing competitively and raising horses and um, then went on to college and continued to, you know, love my love having the horses in my life and and became a veterinarian and uh, had the opportunity to um, graduate. And once I graduated from veterinary school, I went to do an internship at Reed Riddle Equine Hospital. And really, it was the best two years of my life in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, it was truly foundational to my career as a veterinarian. I learned from the best of the best. And, uh, you know, being around the doctors, many of which have written many of the textbooks uh, and are make decisions, uh, you know, serving on different boards and um, regulatory boards or guidelines and and really helping to grow the industry into what it is today. Uh, I felt like I was working amongst giants, um, oftentimes having my own imposter syndrome, if I'm honest. Uh, I didn't really always think I was worthy of being there, but I certainly appreciate um, the ability to for them to lean in and, and really teach me as a young veterinarian. And from there... Uh, I also had an interest in going into industry. And so I knew that, um, you know, up and coming technology was something that was really um, important to me. And so I continued to practice and from there um, went into um, coming into industry and I practiced um, going in with that. I went into work for um, one of the large pharma companies and did that for about six years. And really, that was another foundational step for me to be able to see veterinary life on the other side um, from the industry perspective. And from there, I started um, my 
own consulting business and found that, you know, in doing what the experience that I'd gotten from all traveling all over the country, averaging about 40 weeks out of the year, um, I got a lot of perspective on how, you know, different practices were run, different training facilities were run, interacting with trainers and owners, and really hearing, you know, what they needed and what they were looking for and wanting to be able to, you know, provide solutions for them and, and really coaching them. And so that's really where, you know, my, you know, experience as far as, you know, wanting to, start my own business and think about coaching and leadership development really began is, is really on the road and seeing, you know, lots of people craving this information, just didn't know where to look for it. So what do you think some of the similarities are between um, being a vet and having your coaching business? You know, I think being a veterinarian, you know, we're asked to, to look at things from a perspective, you know, of getting a diagnostic, trying to run that test, identify, you know, what's going on, you know, with our patient in front of us, and, you know, whether that be, you know, blood work or x-rays or ultrasound, um, you know, and, you know, working through that process. And I feel it's a lot of the same, you know, when I'm working with my clients and different organizations that I've worked with, a lot of it is identifying what is the problems, identifying the gaps that you have, where are you now and where would you like to move and what can we do to get you there? And that's really what my role as, you know, as, you know, being a coach and a mentor, uh, it really helps, you know, I feel like that really helps me serve a purpose. And I think you have to have purpose and passion in anything that you do. And I find that in the equine industry, everyone really does have purpose and passion, but sometimes they don't always know exactly which way to go. And so that's really what I try to do is really help move that, you know, close that gap and help people get to where they want to go. Yeah. I think we talk about that a lot is, you know, people are kind of guided by their passion in the equestrian industry. And then, you know, if they're plan A doesn't work out, then what? And, mm-hmm. you know, or they are so guided by passion that they, you know, get worked off their feet and, <laughs> or, you know, people use that passion and, um, and they aren't really either compensated for it correctly, or they get burnt out or, you know, lots of different things. So, um, that's a really interesting point is, yeah, you've got to have passion, but what's the purpose behind it and what are you going to do with it and and how are you going to continue to be successful with it? Can you explain what the Maxwell Leadership Group is and your involvement with it? Sure. So the, Ma- the Maxwell Leadership um, Group is a um, leadership development group that was founded by doc- Dr. John C. Maxwell, who is a world-renowned leader. And whenever you look up leadership, he really much he's pretty much the one who's written the definition of the of what it is, and really foundational uh, as in this coaching world. And so I was given a book actually when I was in high school by him, and it was called the Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And that was a book I got as a senior graduating and was told to read it um, by my uncle. And it was a book that really made a huge impact on my life and really taught me, you know, some really ground um, rules, if you will, becoming a leader. And so I think that was, you know, to me, it was something that I continue to uh, continue like wanting to learn more about leadership development. And in doing so, it just kind of led me down a path of, you know, identifying. So really, I had the opportunity in 2019 to participate um, what they call the International Maxwell Institute and was invited to be a part of that group and basically went to a week's worth of intensive training and went met with leaders from around the world. So this this particular coaching group, once you get invited in to be a part of, you know, there's over 30,000 coaches and it's worldwide and global. And so being able to see different perspectives from all different walks of life, you know, has really been interesting for me because I feel like, you know, overall we have 
we may have one perspective and mine is, you know, having coming from clinical practice and, and veterinary medicine and, and the equine industry, I have that perspective, but I don't always have say, you know, a perspective that comes from a real estate agent, you know, and what they, what they're dealing with in a client and, or say a doctor, you know, that's a, you know, an MD and, and they're doing some, some similar things. Concierge medicine is becoming popular in the human side. And so like one of my colleagues is a concierge doctor. So it's always nice to learn, you know, from what they're doing. Um, and cross pollinating. And so I think that's one of the beauties of, you know, seeing that, but also looking at, you know, people that are with Fortune 500 companies that sit, you know, in the C-suite, you know, in this group, I think it's just been a great way for me to learn and expand um, my knowledge as well as my network. And was that the impetus for starting your own consulting business? And so it was, so I think the biggest thing for me is as a doctor, I feel like you know, I had, you know, that that need to have some type of certification. There were a lot of things I was doing coaching wise, but not necessarily formal, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we always get kind of, and it's, it's probably just, it's not really me personally, but probably just more of like when you're looking from the outside, who, you know, gives you the power to say these things and, and they're looking, you know, when you're looking for clients and, and wanting to talk about like, what have you gotten certified in? And what have you done? You know, I think that's one of the biggest things is I was looking around for opportunities to be able to get, become certified and learn more about leadership development more in a more formal way, I guess, and being able to kind of package it because I was doing a lot of coaching, you know, in my travel and experience, you know, working, you know, alongside, you know, various, you know, different technicians, veterinarians, owners, trainers, um, even, you know, small business people that were in the industry, whether it be like a tax shop that I was working, you know, or working alongside of or a feed store owner, you know, always, you know, asking, people are always asking me like, well, what would you do if I wasn't doing this? What would you think I could do? Or, you know, people that, maybe don't get into veterinary school and looking at alternatives to be able to go and do something else. I think that's really important. Yeah. Because to your point earlier, you know, we get so passionate about something, we we lose sight of anything else. If this doesn't work out, what am I going to do? And then you have that feeling of failure. And yeah. the matter is, is that that's not always, failure isn't always bad. You know, I've always been taught, my dad taught me early on, he says, if you're going to fail, fail fast. And so, <laughs> thing is, is like, I try to do that. You know, if I'm going to fail, let's just do it fast. And the other thing is, is, you know, being ready. You know, if it's sometimes I think that oftentimes we procrastinate because we don't think we're ready for something and we're not sure, but ready is really a myth. Um, You just want to go, you know, take action. If you're taking action, something's going to happen one way or the other. If you're just sitting still, life's going to pass you by. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's um, one of the points, one of our early episodes was about being ready like for a job and getting ready for a job and how women often want to be 110% qualified before they just do it, where men just, they could be 30% qualified and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to put my name in the hat. So I think that, yeah, you're right. Like ready is kind of a myth. You have to just keep going forward, you know? Mm. 100% agree with you on that. How did your business evolve? So, so basically, you know, with me in the business, I, I felt like once I got the um, certification, you know, I just started going through and, and following up with colleagues that I had coached and really wanted to be able to follow up with them, but also just started putting my name out in, you know, different aspects to be able to become a speaker. And I started speaking on, you know, a lot of the things that I learned in Maxwell Institute, specifically everyone communicates, but few connect. And that's probably one of the things that I've really taught so much of and in really identifying ways to connect with different types of people and expanding your network and, and how you do that and the processes by which have been successful, you know? And so I think that for me is probably one of the biggest ways I've done it is either speaking, 
and or following up with people that I've coached in the past. Um, I've also engaged with my um, different ill health, you know, industry partners and things like that to be able to come and speak to, you know, when they have a value added program, I've spoken, you know, on those platforms. I've also spoken at different chamber activities, local chamber activities, as well as been involved with different organizations, um, you know, from a women's speaking network to also being involved in different church community activities and that kind of thing to be able to, you know, just share the knowledge. I think the biggest thing is, is that being a trusted resource is probably one of the biggest things I want to be able to provide is I want to bring value. And I want people to know that you may not know your next step, but it's okay to not know, but it's not okay to sit there forever. And so let's get you to that next step and let's try to close that gap. And what are, you know, steps It looks overwhelming a lot of times, but, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, when I work with people, I have one client that we'll, we can talk about later, you know, as far as an example, but I think just understanding what that looks like and how you might go about that. I, I think that's great because a lot of times I think many things in your life look like this giant mountain to climb and, you know, knowing how to break down the steps to get to the next place is, uh, is a difficult thing. An example for me is my dog had uh, CCL surgery earlier this year. And the first three days of it, I was like, ah, we're never going to make it through. This is the first <laughs> thing ever. I was like having total mental breakdown. I'm in tears. And my husband's like, will you relax? And like, now we don't even know she had it. Right. But, right? but the first three days were so hard. I was like, oh, it's such a big mountain to climb. But now it's like, irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I, I did want to ask, so do you teach more about leadership or networking? Would you say? I would say probably more about leadership because I think leadership is one of the things that I coach to a lot. And just as a secondary thing, I, I also follow up with, with networking because I think as you become a better leader, your network expands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how do you balance being a veterinarian and your coaching business? That's a great question. It really is. <laughs> I think for me, it's prioritization and understanding what it is that you know I have to do. And one of the things I do for me personally is I get up every day and I start at five o'clock. Um, I've done that you know for a very long time. And I feel like that's one of the most common things when you look across what leaders do. Leaders, people that are successful and want to get out or have this entrepreneurial spirit, I believe, and they're very regimented. And the fact that, you know, they get up early, they start their day, they have a process by which they do. And, and in that, many of them, there's been research that's shown that they sit down and you, they take 15 minutes in that first hour and are able to work like a whole system out. Like, what am I going to do today? Where am I going to go? What am I, what, are, what are my priorities? And I think that's one of the things that I've been able to do uh, in, in learning to develop that and becoming more dedicated to it. And if I'm up, if I miss that five o'clock time, just having that for that first hour of my day, it really does kind of throw me off. I'm not going to lie. And being able to have that helps me set my day. And then once I'm able to do that, then I can really prioritize what's most important and how I go about that. But, you know, being able to be, be a veterinarian and have certain times that, that I have certain days of the week that I'm able to do that and or hours within the day. And then the other times, you know, that I'm doing my consulting business and working with my clients on, on the coaching side of the business. Uh, you know, I think that's you know, just sort of kind of identifying that for me, it's it's really basically having time blocks, if you will, and being able to prioritize those time blocks based on the need. For me, I can get out of bed if I have a horse show, I can get up it like if I feel like I'm have some relevance to my day. I feel like it's much easier to get up knowing that I have a plan of action and what's going to go 
what way it's going to go, then like if I don't have appointments until noon and I don't have to be anywhere and I don't have to get in the car until, you know, like 10 o'clock in the morning, sometimes I'm like, I, I feel useless, <laughs> you know, but I, I know it, if I have a purpose to get up, then I feel like it's not a problem to get up in the morning and get going. Mm. I totally agree. I'm not a morning person, so <laughs> I'm not with you there. I understand it and I appreciate it. And I struggle every day, you know, getting up and getting the kids up and getting them to school. And I have no desire to get up any earlier than I absolutely have to. I understand. <laughs> you also work you also work late into the evening. I do too, a lot, you know. Yeah. Like I mean and I work kind after of, they go to bed and mm-hmm. yeah. And like when you're doing horse shows and they're running late and mm-hmm. you have to do press releases. I mean, I understand that. Believe me, if I don't go to bed until, you know, midnight or one o'clock, I am not bouncing out of the bed at 5 a.m. Right. <laughs> I understand that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think, you know, it's part of recognizing your work patterns and when you work best and and what point in life you are right now, you know, and okay, I can't do this right now, but if I'm older and I can't sleep very well or I'm not sleeping in, then that's it could change in five years or something. And just knowing who you are and, and where you are in that point in life, I think is uh, important to have that awareness. Yeah. And well, I think Jen too, like even in college, you were more of a person who did your work in the evenings, mm-hmm. right? And got everything ready at night and would work late into the night. Oh, I'd always study the night before the test, right? Yeah. Not not any time before. <laughs> <laughs> that was me too. Me too. You know, we got other priorities. Don't worry. Everybody about was like, why haven't you been studying for? I'm like, oh, well, and I do fine. I mean, I didn't, it worked for me. No, I can't tell you how many times I was up until like two or 3 a.m. putting together a presentation or something the last right. minute, like till the last minute when I had to go to class sometimes at 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I've gotten a little better about that, but uh, yeah, sometimes it's who you are. It's hard to change that. Yeah, we've talked to to people about that as well as changing habits, and uh, it takes a lot of work. And you know what? Even when you change habits, though, sometimes you like. So I was really good for two years about walking and working out. And granted, it was COVID, so my travel was a lot less than what it is now for work, but um. I was great. And now I'm like back to my old habits. I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, for two years, I was great. But now I'm struggling getting, you know, now that I'm back into traveling as much as I was. And I'm like, why did I, how did I slip out of it? (laughs) It's the season. It's the season. Kind of to what Jennifer was just saying is being able to think about the seasons and how, how we adapt and and different things are going to prioritize differently. We're able to do. And I think that was our outlets. You know, everybody got really good at working out because we had those outlets and we didn't have anywhere else to go. So we needed to do something. And so, but now that we are able to do other things, we've shifted, you know, back over the pendulum has shifted. And I think, you know, whenever that happens for any of us, it wasn't a normal routine for an extended period of time, even though two years seems like it was when you add these other variables in, that's when it kind of gets out of balance, if you will. And so I think that's one of the biggest things of understanding, you know, prioritization and the variables that are, you know, impacting your life within that season. I know for me, that's probably one of the hardest things of being a veterinarian, but being a mom, being able to, you know, have my, you know, take my daughter and do the things that I want her to be involved in, but also not, 
be so overly involved that, you know, nobody can enjoy what she's doing, herself included. I think that's one of the biggest things is that oftentimes we just overfill our plates. Yes. We have this, you know, need to be busy all the time. And I think that's one of the biggest adjustments. I think we all kind of had a reset, if you will, with COVID. But at the same time, that reset is, I feel like is we're now in a different zone of like, okay, different season now over here. That's we're out of COVID necessarily, but at the same time, it's like this need to get back in. And then all of a sudden life is happening again. And here we are just going 90 miles an hour before we even realize it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I felt completely overwhelmed when I really had to dig back in and start traveling and going places and doing mm-hmm. all the things and balancing what I had taken on during COVID, like a, a couple of ponies that I was riding. And so I definitely struggled in the beginning to like get not feel overwhelmed. Yeah. We wanted to know what are some of the top tips that you could offer to business owners? Um, what are some of the things that you either start out with uh, with someone or you know things that you find yourself repeating a lot. Sure. So I think the first thing for me is understanding goals. I think you know you've got to have goals and and not just have a goal, but really have a goal that is you know that you can measure and like having a smart goal and you know identifying you know what that looks like and you know being able to you know see that okay, if I'm going to set this goal, what am I doing? Why am I setting this goal? And what am I actually going to achieve in this goal? And that's probably one of the hard, it's really a basic thing. It's a very basic concept, but it, you know, thinking about what that means is so critical to, to really coaching many of my people. So for example, you know, I have a client that, you know, she's wanting to transition right now. She's a trainer. She's at one facility now. And we met earlier this year and you know, we walked through, she said, you know, I really want to start, you know, my own business and I want to move. I have an opportunity to go and, you know, work at another facility. And now I'm basically going to be the head trainer, but I'm a little nervous. I don't know what to expect. I don't know how to think about what would I do? Like, how do I break this down? And, and just, you could just see the overwhelm in her face, whether she was going to lease a facility or she was going to, how she was going to get other horses that, you know, for her lesson program, she has a couple already, but, you know, there was lots of things that she knew that she needed to have in place. And so, really trying to coach her through that overwhelm and identify, okay, let's start here, you know, and let's, let's kind of break it down as far as what is it, what's your timeline, you know, understanding that timeline. So if you're not, if you're at a facility now, when, when you renew your contract, when does that happen? And so, you know, you need to be thinking about this. And this was almost eight months ago when I started working with her and being able to identify, you know, what that timeline was. And so um, I actually saw her this morning. I actually went and did acupuncture on a couple of their horses at that farm. And she met last week with the the owner of the, of the facility that she's currently at and had the conversation about, you know, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going on my own. And she was really anxious about it at first. But she said, once I got it out on the table and I had my plan and you had set the goals, you know, we had gone through that. It was something that, you know, it was wonderful to see her get so excited about that she's going, you know, within the next 90 days, she'll transition out of that facility into her very own. And where she's going now, they're already starting to talk about plans for what they're doing. And so she was sharing that with me. And so I looked at her this morning and I said, look, I said, do you realize eight months ago, we started talking about this and you have now not only accomplished what you want to, but you're now going, you're moving into that next phase, that next, and I couldn't be more excited for her. And um, before you mentioned uh, talking about lots of people know how to communicate, but they don't know how to connect. Could you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. So I think a lot of people in general, they talk a lot, but 
do they really remember? Do they make that connection? You know, as a veterinarian, you know, one of the things I've always tried to do is, yes, I'm here to work on your horse and I'm here to know your horse, but I also look for other things that we could connect on. And so, you know, I look to see, you know, do you have children? I would look to see, you know, do you have your dog? What kind of dogs do you like? What are some activities, you know, that you were interested in? And really what I, what I teach is the, what's called the Ford concept. So if you can connect on four different points, you know, what you want to use, you can use all of them or you can use just one of them. Ford is an acronym, which stands for family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. So if I can connect on family, occupation, recreation, or dreams, then, and find a way to connect with you on that, then I feel like that becomes that, that next level of a relationship. And so those are ways that we can talk about. So just, you know, whether that your dreams are you want to go and become this, or whether you want to reconnect on recreation, maybe you like to go and scuba dive. And guess what? I do too. So, you know, those are things that we can expand upon that don't just have to do with why I'm here right in front of you. And I think that helps leave that lasting impression, also grows your network and helps to, you know, business oftentimes becomes very regimented, I think, on certain things that you do. But if you can kind of get out of that norm and start connecting on a different level, it helps to be able to expand that connection and, you know, really overall just have, bring more purpose and more meaning to your life and, and why, how you can interact with those people on a higher level. Mm-hmm. Well, I think so often people aren't listening to listen, they're listening to respond. Mm-hmm. So they're not making those deep connections because they're thinking about the next question or, you know, the next direction and not really looking at like listening to what you have to say in order to make those deep connections. So I think reminding people, you know, that that maybe you can expand your network better and and have better connections with people if you really stop and listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. I hundred percent agree with that. Because I think oftentimes when we do listen to respond you know, we're not allowing that for, you're not being present. And I think that's the other thing is be present in that moment. You know, wherever your feet are planted, be present. We have a tendency to always have our cell phones out, to have a tendency to be looking and scrolling and or texting or whatever that case may be. But I think oftentimes we miss those moments because we're looking at something else. You know, we're not looking at what's right in front of us. And, you know, if we can't be in the moment, you know, then what are we doing here to begin with? Well, and I think that expanding your network is really important because you never know who's going to have a connection that you can need or you know they might need you for something and and you know ultimately we want to be able to help each other out so the more you listen to people and have those connections then the better you are going to be like oh this person like you said you know likes to do this and I like to do this but then at some point you might need them for that <laughs> 100% and i feel like there's growing feeling that customers should be able to have some sort of connection with where they're getting products or services from, especially if it's more of like a small business and a one-on-one service that you're getting from someone. They want to feel like you care about them, you know, and you're not just a a faceless number in, in what they do. And um, that sort of connection, like you're talking about, with your clients, I think definitely could help lots of business owners and be able to, you know, show through that and through their customer service, um, you know, why people should use them and, and why they're better than 
their competitors. Uh, you know, I think that applies across the board. Well, and I also think it can even go into marketing, right? And mm -hmm. helping you know your market and know your customers so that like me, a salesperson has resources that we know, like we're investing in our veterinarians. Um, they feel like we're investing in it and giving good customer service because we understand them. Yeah. And would you give different advice or what kind of advice would you give to someone who's thinking about starting a business? You know, I think whenever you start a business and you start something new is going in, identifying three to five people that you admire that have gone before you and are really doing a good job at what they're doing and ask them. You know, I think just sitting down and taking time to learn from them and ask what their pain points are, but more importantly, you know, what are some of the successes that they've had and what's led them to become that? And I think finding that out and finding a mentor in one of those three to five different businesses will really help you to expand and also have someone that when you have moments of doubt, because I can share with you as a business owner myself, there's this can be a lonely road. And mm -hmm. a lot of times you feel like you're on an island and, and you just don't know, especially in you have a lot of you you network, but at the same time, you don't always know what another person in the same shoes are dealing with and, and, and that kind of thing. And so I think for me, you know, when I went into coaching, that's really why I leaned into the you know, Maxwell leadership because I had a group, I had a group of coaches that were doing the things and many of them had gone on and done things that were far beyond what I had done, um, but really wanted to do that. And so how could I go about that? And so, you know, I have one of my dearest friends from high school, she has spoken, you know, with Dale Carnegie group for years. And so I leaned into her and I said, help me understand if I want to get into coaching, what is the best methodology that I could actually get that? And she says, Meg, she says, my recommendation is to continue to network, but get out, go and get some type of certification, you know, whatever that be, may be. And because that's really going to, how do you get qualified to be on the speaking and on a tour and that kind of thing is some of it is through your qualifications, but it's the network because anytime you go into these groups, you really start to expand because to your point, Jen, it's like being able to have, you know, you just not, I might have connected on one thing, but now they're asking me for something else. And so they may call me because I'm a veterinarian and but then they find out I'm a coach. And so then I get an opportunity to coach somebody else that, you know, is looking for a lot of the same things that I was looking for. And so I think being able to find that mentor, find that group of people that you admire, and then try to form your own identity within what, because it's not all going to work for you. Let's be honest, you know, everybody's a little bit different. And so I think that's, for me, that's kind of where I've been able to do is because as a business owner, there's a lot of decisions that you have to make. But at the end of the day, that's the beauty of it. You make those decisions and you're able to to be able to move forward one way or the other. And again, if you can fail, fail fast, you know, and that way you can course correct and go a different direction if need be. Do you have a client success story that you can share with us? I do. I have um, I have lots of them, actually. <laughs> really, really, really endearing. Um, it's probably one of my favorite things to, to share. And so I have a veterinarian that is that came to me when I was in industry. I'd actually been working with her as a client for that particular company. And we went and did gastroscopies um, and scoping horses and, and, and being able to look for ulcers. And so she went with her at her practice and she asked me then, she said, you know, how did you get into the industry? You know, how did, what, what did you do to get here? I'm just I'm kind of at a point in my life, a different season. And I'm, I'm looking for possibly, you know, moving in the industry. I want to sell, you know, potentially sell my practice one day and be able to do something like that. I've always wanted to do it. And so I, you know, so I sat down and this is before I was a coach. And so, you know, and so I just kind of said, okay, well, let's talk about it. You know, what is your experience? And so we went through and I said, 
you know, these are some things I think, you know, you can start to apply for, but more importantly, let's look at your resume. Let's look at, see how we can put this together formally because she'd been a business owner for, you know, 15 years and she didn't have a resume that she'd really updated along the way. So like, this yeah. is basically that, you know, get your resume together. Let's, let's look at it. Let's try to coach you through that. What does that look like? And so, you know, and reviewed that. And then, you know, we continued to have that relationship. And so actually when I became a coach, she called back to, she called me back and she said, was there any way that you'd be willing to sit down and walk me through, you know, this interview process, because I'm actually going in for an interview with a company. And so she, we sat down and, you know, at this point I literally sat in her shoes before and I could say, okay, this is what they're going to ask. These are the things you prepare for. And so, you know, she went through three rounds of interviews and, you know, I just said, you know, the biggest thing you want to do is position yourself in this role as a tech services veterinarian is you want to be basically work as a an assistant coach to say like a sales manager, because you're there to back them up. And if you can position yourself that way, you can be the best offensive coordinator or the best defensive coordinator. You may not be the head coach, but that's okay. Because at the end of the day, you can back your team up. And she loved it because she loves football. And so just like I do. And so I think it was one of these things where we could use these analogies. And so she went in and she killed it. And like, she did so good. And so she called me back up and she said, I just, she's like, I feel really, really good about this. And, you know, when I look back at that scenario, you know, there's not a, there's not a time that goes by, you know, she's come to me, she got the job successfully and she continues to shine. Um, you know, and I actually got a chance to talk to her not that long ago at AAP and when we were there. And so she's just like, I'm so grateful for what you've done for me to be able to, to do the job and do the things that I love to do now. And, you know, and so for me, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see people succeed. I want to see them do well. And, you know, that was to me, she moved out of practice in the industry and got what she wanted. Now, did that happen quickly? No, not necessarily. You know, that was really almost like a five-year deal. And part of that was just because she wasn't quite ready to move out of practice yet because we had some things to get her ready for it and say, this is what you're going to do. There's some steps that you're going to need to think about. But then once she kind of got through that and then was ready, then she really became, you know, ready for that moment. And it was that in that season um, that she was able to, you know, ultimately fulfill her dreams and, and move and close that gap that like we talked about and being able to do it. And so and I think being a coach, it's just so fun to watch people because really, you know, it's, it's really understanding and agreeing and comprehending and exploring what they, what my clients want. And this is what we're agreeing to, to talk about. This is what I were under, I'm understanding that you want to get out of say, said session exploring how we might go about that. And then ultimately like recapping everything that we've talked about and then acting on it, getting them to act. I think that's the biggest thing is is people, you know, my clients, many of them, you know, they have great ideas. They want to do big things. And I love that about that because that's me, but I just need you to take the next right step. You know, Mm -hmm. don't need the steps, but just take the next right one. What's usually the length of time that you work with someone? I would say on average, at least six, Six months to a year. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that's that's an extended amount of time to be able to, I think, put a lot of things into practice and and see, you know, measurable change. Like, is there a lot of follow up once that initial time period has passed? If there is, so typically, I, you know, I take on a coaching client, and you know, we'll do an initial assessment interview, sort of decide if this is a good fit for each other. And then from there, uh, you know, I basically, we set up sort of what, you know, based on their timeline and kind of what they're looking for, at least, you know, I'll do either weekly or biweekly meetings with them. And we do that really hardcore for the first 90 days, if you will. And that way, we're, we're making those actionable steps and they're learning to kind of, 
you know, identify what, what is needed. And then from there, we sort of transition to sort of what they need, whether that be biweekly or monthly, that kind of thing, just based on, you know, where we're, where we're tracking. And um, it's really just a checks and balances for me and just understanding that they are moving that needle forward. And that's what I, you know, that's my intent as your coach is not to tell you what to do, but just hold you accountable. And that accountability partner, you know, and being able to to do that, but maybe even giving perspective that they may not always, you know, have thought about and going back to the drawing board. If it doesn't seem that it's the best idea, then I say, okay, well, what about this? Or what about that? Have you thought about these things? And so, you know, giving them those ideas, you know, and helping them kind of come to it themselves. It's not my plan. It's not my work. It's yours to do, but giving them the confidence and letting them know that as long as you're taking action, something's going to happen. So Meg, in the business coaching side of things, there's also the leadership aspect. And I was wondering, what are some of the main things that you talk to someone um, about leadership and how they can be a better leader? I think the biggest thing is, as a leader is, you know, we oftentimes are the ones that really see the vision. We see the horizon before many people do. And, you know, I think a lot of times that as leaders, we expect everybody else to see that same vision, but we don't effectively communicate that down. And so I think one of the biggest things is that as a leader, I think it's really important to be able to be as transparent as you can, knowing that there is some things that, you know, for confidentiality reasons or whatever season is in the business that you can or cannot share. But I think people appreciate the fact that if you're in the messy middle of business and everything is not going appropriately, if you can just share maybe why, a little bit is, you know, where you're struggling, you know, and just, you know, communicate that to them. And they will ultimately, I think that will endear them to you and being able to show that you are real, that you are a person, that this is why we're doing the things that we're doing in order to get through, you know, where we're going to next. And so I think understanding what the problem is, identifying said problem, understanding that we are in the middle of trying to, you know, fix this problem. And in order to fix that problem, we're going to have to do these steps X, Y, and Z. And you have to continually communicate that to people because a lot of times, you know, they may hear it for the very first time and they have no idea how to process that. And that's another thing I think too, is, is understanding your team and who you are leading. And one of the biggest things I also do is personality assessments and being able to identify what types of personality, you know, through like a DISC assessment or through a Myers-Briggs assessment or through say the Enneagram, which are all different types of personality traits testing. And so to me, they're all things that can clue you in to who you are as a leader yourself. I think you have to know yourself as a leader, who you are, what type of leader are you? And if this is the type of leader you are, then how can you be able to effectively communicate to others that are different than you, um, Mm -hmm. you need? And so like for me on the DISC assessment, I'm a high D, high I. And what does that mean? That means, you know, that I'm a driver and that, you know, high D, you know, is very direct. A driver, you know, can be intense at times um, and oftentimes, you know, a little bit overbearing. But then I'm also an I, which is a high I means I'm an influencer, that I'm able to connect with people. And, you know, I really can identify, you know, some of your problems and, you know, and or we can connect on something, you know, as, as simple as, you know, what type of dog you have and the fact that, if your dog has had surgery and, you know, if there's something that, you know, you're unsure about, you know, we can talk about your dog. I'm not here to talk about your horse, but I'm here to talk about your dog too. And, you know, how we can connect on that. And and those kinds of things, I think, you know, really help you as a, as a leader to, to be that person and, and be a real person. So often I just misperception of, 
I can't lead people, you know, and tell them everything. We know you don't have to tell them everything, but I think you can lead people effectively, but also somewhat pull the curtain back a little bit and say, this is what I'm dealing with. And this is why. And if they can see a little bit of the map and where they're going, they're not mm-hmm. nearly as, you know, as intimidated and not nearly as, I feel like when they're, when people are in the dark, that's when, you know, different types of scenarios start and their head just starts spinning and spinning out of control and they make up things that aren't even true, but, yeah. but they can't help it because they just don't know. And so it's a natural tendency for when we don't know, we make up all these things and ultimately it might not even be true, but we somehow we make ourselves believe it's true. And so I think that's the thing I would tell a leader to do is know who you are, identify the type of leader that you are, and then be a transparent leader. Mm-hmm. And I think especially if you've got to have the buy-in from the people who are doing the day-to-day work of making your company run, and how can they have the buy-in if they don't know what the goals are or what you're trying to accomplish or how you're trying to accomplish it, if they're just told, this is what you're going to do and this is how you do it, and then you, they don't know anything else, you know, why would they bother to, <laughs> you know, keep going and, and care about it? So. I think that's good advice. Yeah. And so while we're talking about this, because something came up the other night that I was watching, do you think two things? Do you think that um, there's a difference between a boss and a leader? And do you think somebody can be both of those? Absolutely. I do think there's a difference between a boss and a leader. Um, The biggest difference is, is a leader is going to be someone that can see your strengths and really be able to help coach and adapt into what is needed. It may not be in that moment in time, but you know, I can look at people that I have led and I can see talent in someone that I know is going to be, you know, really successful at one point in their career, but they just haven't had enough coaching. They haven't had enough training. They haven't had the experience per se, but I can see that there's a gem there. And, you know, I see that a lot in a lot of salespeople that I've worked with over time. And it's really fun to watch them come in you know, as young salespeople just learning the business and learning the ropes and identifying what their their accounts are like and what they do and how they go about that. But then really molding those people into like becoming, you know, asking more questions, be a lot more focused on your customer and identifying that. And so, you know, I've watched people do that for many years. And that's really where my coaching, you know, kind of, you know, how can I get if this is what you want to do, how can you get to that next level, whether it be in marketing or whether it be in sales or whether it be you know, moving into, you know, a brand manager, however that looked. I can identify those people. And I think as a leader, that's our role. It's like we need to we need to serve our people in a way that especially if we hold a, lead, a leadership role is understand your people and look for the gems and look for the things that they're good at. And if you can do that, then ultimately you'll both be rewarded because, you know, if I can get you to where you want, then ultimately that's the biggest reward because that's what I want for you. And I think that's really, really important, you know, when you think about, you know, how to move people in that direction and what is our responsibility as leaders is to be able to serve our, the people that are that work with us and alongside of us and be able to do the best of our ability each and every day. Hmm. Do you think there's a way that we can shift people from thinking that um, they're working for a boss versus working for a leader? The biggest thing is, is that you need to identify what it is that you value in a boss you know, and take those traits. And to me, you need to multiply that times five and the multiplier of five. And the reason I say that is because, you know, to me, when I look at a person and I say, okay, if these are the traits that you want, this is what's going to take, your boss is going to tell you what to do, but your leader is going to show you how to do it Mm -hmm. and take you underneath their wing. And they're going to say, this is how you go about it. 
um, in the best way that they can, whether it's them actually directly leading you or it's like, no, actually, this is who I want you to talk to. I want you to sit down with this person and I want you to go work with this person and learn from this individual. They're going to help you with those stepping stones along the way where a boss is just going to say, I need you to get this done. They don't necessarily care about how you're going to go about it, who you're going to be with doing it, and you know, really the training in which you're going to be able to get it done. Um, they're also not going to sit down and care about the path that you're going to do stuff with. To me, anytime I've sat down with what I would consider a true leader, one of my my former bosses that when I was working at Big Pharma Group, you know, I sat down and he was the, the North American um, head. And he came to me and he sat me down and, you know, and said, I watch you Meg, work with different people all across the country. And, you know, what I can see is, is that, you know, you are a star when it comes to, you know, being able to interact with people and, and that kind of thing. But one thing I am concerned about with you is you're traveling 40 weeks out of the year and you're about to be a mom. And I'll never forget that. And he just coming up to me and saying, I want to understand what your priorities are right now. And because I don't want to lose you as a star, but I also know that your priorities are about to shift probably more than you because he has three girls himself. And so (laughs) to sit down and say that to me and I will never forget him doing that. And, you know, just taking the time to say, you know, this is a season of your life that you're not going to be able to travel 40 weeks out of the year. You need to be home. You need to think about, you know, you think you can do it all right now. But I promise you, when when the when the when the rubber meets the road, it's gonna be hard to leave that little girl. And I will never forget, and that was right, that was in June of 2015. She was born in July of 2015. And I came back and I went to a big conference um in Las Vegas. And I'll never forget like being away from her for the very first time and like just how hard that was for me. And he was at that meeting and he came up to me and he looked, he said, he looked at me and he says, You look great. He's like, how is it? And I, was, and I like literally just like burst out in tears. Like, and I was like, I, I just don't, I said, I don't want to be away from her. He said, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think for me, you know, that understanding those moments and and really, you know, and he said, okay, so we didn't really talk about transition because I wanted you to, to experience it. So now what, now what, now what do you want to do? And so I think for me, that's the biggest thing is, is, you know, identifying somebody like that, that could see that could see it before I could. And understood that, but knew that he wanted to keep me and really wanted to be able to help my career and, and shape who I was, you know, and he was one that, you know, also handed me a book that I'll never forget either. And, you know, it was um, another John Maxwell book and it was called Leadership. And so it's really shifting my leadership role and understanding that you don't have to take on everything, but you need to understand how you can delegate and be able to do the things that you need to get done. And I think that's one of the biggest things as leaders, we tend to, to want to take on the world, chief everything officers, what I like to call ourselves. And being chief everything officers is, you know, almost impossible. You know, that task that can be so daunting when it's that way. And so for me, that was probably one of the biggest things is understanding that I couldn't do it all. I can't be a mom. I can't be a veterinarian. I can't do all this 40, week, 40 weeks out of the year. How am I going to balance all this? And understanding in this season of my life, I have to shift. And I've continued to, to be able to do that. And then it's also helped me create some boundaries. You know, what mm-hmm. am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? And once I understood those things, you know, it really has been able to change what I do on my day-to-day. I love that. Well, we thank you so much for speaking with us about leadership and what you do and how you've come to grow your own business. And at the end of each episode, we ask the same four questions to each guest and Connor starts with the first. 
What is one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? I think the biggest thing you can do is be intentional. Be intentional about what you do. And whatever it is, whatever you take time to do, just make sure that you're being really intentional with your time because that is the most precious thing in the world is, you know, and we as women tend to take on the world. And so being intentional about what I'm going to do with my time in that moment uh, is so important. And if I can, if I can share that with any person, that would be the one thing I would tell someone. And what is the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I think the best habit is really being able to continuously learn, you know, is I'm always learning. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm a lifelong learner and, you know, always trying to learn something new every day, you know, and I think that if you continue to do that, you'll continue to grow. Great. What's your favorite horse movie? My very favorite horse movie is Seabiscuit. <laughs> Absolutely love Seabiscuit. Uh, yep. It's one of the, my favorites, you know, always cheering for the underdog and being able to, to see that, um, you know, it's just one of those that. You know, that's probably, you know, when I think about myself, sometimes I often think of that and people are like, what, how do you think that? And I said, well, you know, I think it's just one of those things where you kind of come from behind, you know, a lot of times and, you know, people underestimate you. They're just not sure. And I know when I got into industry, for instance, I was one of the youngest tech services veterinarians. I was told when I graduated um, from veterinary school, like you do not need to think about this job and going to industry until you've been in practice for at least 15 to 20 years. And I thought, whoa, that's a lot, (laughs) you know? Not that I didn't want to be, you know, thought, well, that's my whole career. I mean, that's half my career right there. Yeah. And, you know, and it's fine, but I wanted to beat the odds. And so I, I continuously networked and I continuously talked to people and, you know, wanted to understand how I feel about that. And so was able to get the opportunity when it, when the time was right. And I became a tech services veterinarian. I was one of the youngest in the industry, um, you know, overall, but I had seen quite a bit again, because I'd been at Reed Riddle and being able to to have that strong foundation. And so um, was able to catapult into industry and, you know, within five years um, of being, you know, a veterinarian. So I'm um, really excited about that and it's continued to serve me well. Yeah. And who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? I would say my own personal mentor, uh, if I had to tell you that. Her name is um, Dr. Cynthia um, McKenzie. And she has been one of my biggest supporters and someone who I've always looked up to and admired. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for joining us and um, helping us learn more about what you do. We love talking to you. Thank you for this opportunity. I certainly appreciate that. And if I, or I can be of help to either one of you or any of your guests, please don't hesitate to reach out. I thought it was really interesting to speak with Meg today and you know how she coaches people and she gave such concrete examples and information that I thought was really helpful. Um, And I loved hearing the people that she's worked with and how she works with them. And I thought there were a couple key things that stood out to me were the communication versus connection Mm -hmm. and uh, her dad's advice to fail fast. Uh, Yeah. I don't think I've really heard that before. So I liked that. Yeah, no, I hadn't heard that before either. But I mean, it kind of it kind of makes sense, right? Get it over with. Yeah, don't drag it out forever. Yeah. I mean, if it's sucks and <laughs> you're yeah. doing badly, just end it. Yeah. Yeah. I like I, that. Yeah. And I think that there's always another direction for you to go in mm-hmm. too. You know, like you you don't have to I, I kind of think that goes along with what Laura said in our very first episode about don't keep sinking. Yeah. 
<laughs> right? But this exactly. is like another way to say another it. way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought, you know, there were there was so much to gain. And I love that, you know, she has that certification behind her and that education. And she said she's a lifelong learner and being able to share that. And I think it's important with the certification. And sometimes you just need people to bounce ideas off of or talk it through with someone and to have someone who can kind of lead you through it with really good examples of how to set it up. Yeah. The, the smart goals for me yeah. were mm-hmm. really, I've, I've used that in the past and honestly, I can get obsessive about it and break down. If I'm like sitting around and I don't have a lot to do, I'm like, oh, let me make smart goals about every single part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and this and this and this. I have like all these lists. They don't always get done, but you yeah. know, like I, I feel like a little more inspired after I sit down and do those yeah. smart goals, you know? And then the other thing that we were talking about that's interesting to me was at the end when we were talking about a boss versus a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, because the other night I was on the internet and I saw this cartoon and it was like a pack of dogs and there was a dog that was drinking water and the that dog was like growling and snarling at all the other pack of dogs and wouldn't let them drink. So this other dog came and broke ice on the other side of the pond and all the dogs followed him over and they were all drinking out of it. And that was their example of a boss versus a leader. Hmm. So for somebody who's in leadership, I, I found it interesting, you know, how she talked about like leaders try and promote their people and try and help yeah. their people and show you know. them instead of tell them. Yeah. 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 And you know, I, I do think that that, that helps. And also for a boss, for a leader to be able to recognize, okay, you know what, this person is really good at what they do, but I want to help them fulfill their own self worth, self goals, whatever it may be. So let me, you know, at, at the cost, at the risk of maybe losing them for that particular job I need them for, but letting them grow as a person is more important mm-hmm. to them. I think that that's really um, a good part of a leader. Yeah. Seeing people's potential and and helping them find it and realize it. Yeah. And I think that for me, I I just would love that instead of we always call somebody who's above us our boss, I would love to see us be able to refer to them as our leaders. Mm-hmm. No, if, if they the deserve shoe it. fits exactly, yeah. <laughs> if they deserve it, if they're not just a a boss, you know, right. and, and telling you what to do, but if if they are helping you grow as a person, it would be nice that instead of that title, it's oh my boss did this or my boss did that. That's why I kind of asked her if she thought a boss and a leader could be the same person because we always refer to our boss, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, like for me, I feel like the person my boss is not a boss; he's really a leader for me. That's great to hear. Yeah. Well, that was great. I think, um, you know, we have so many different topics and I think this one really worked well with past episodes and kind of callbacks to things. I think we have that in every episode. So that's cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to see like there's there's common themes between a lot of what everybody is saying, which Mm -hmm. it just helps hammer home the points of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah. 
So, well, we are on the track to end this episode. So find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go be an effective leader.